0: like, you know, what is life? What is the purpose of life? And I would say that these are age-old problems, you know, like this book was written around 3000 years ago. And these are problems that people still face today. Right. So that is the purpose of life is to be able to control your thoughts, right? And not let your mind lead you, but you lead your mind, you even live life. If you, What is the body made for? The body is made for the journey of life. Right? So, for the journey of life, you need to keep your body healthy as well. So, I guess for that, you also need the physical practices.
1: So hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Voices in My Head. I know this has been long overdue, but as you know, I wait for as long as it takes to meet the right person to have on the podcast. And I feel I finally got a good person for you to learn a lot from and for me to learn a lot from. So I have uh, Jay Singhania here today, and I'll just introduce Jay before I start digging into him with lots of questions that I have. So Jay grew up in Delhi, he has graduated from Boston University with a bachelor's degree in business. He is the co-founder of Vigyan Yoga, which is primarily what we want to pick his brain on. Vigyan Yoga is an organization that is aimed at spreading spiritual knowledge in the scientific and logical manner through books, classes and spiritual retreats. Other background of Jay is that he's also worked uh, in financial services like Grant Thornton, He's the head of projects in Esther Industries Limited. And he's played other business roles with his family business. Uh, the more fun stuff is that he likes to play the piano. He performs magic. Maybe we can ask him to do something, which <laughs> the people watching can uh, see something interesting. Because I personally love magic. I've loved it as a child. And he also scuba dives. And something that I didn't know at all was that he has a private uh, pilots, You have a pilot's license yeah so Jay, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. And thank and you for I'm having me. delighted to to have you here, but the reason you're here is because you've just written a a book which is called Decoding the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, and but yes, the subtitle is it's a beginner's Guide to the Ultimate Truth. Yes. So what, you know, everyone wants to know, and especially me, is that how does a nice Marwadi boy like you, who you're expecting to work in the father's office and run that business uh, from a a prominent Delhi business family, starting to get into this and start teaching people yoga, and then you've written a whole book about it.
0: Yeah. So basically, I guess it is like, you know, I've come from a business background. And, uh, you know, I would say it's, I've come from a privileged background. And um, so with that, you know, like people also say, like, you know, you have everything that you want, you've got a business and also why did you get into this? So, you know, even though I could get whatever I wanted, or I could achieve whatever I wanted in that sense, I didn't have that sense of satisfaction. And a few years ago, you know, I kind of slid into depression and I slid into anxiety and, you know, when that happened, it was quite a chronic depression. And, you know, like my family used to ask me, what happened? What is it that you want? So I didn't have an answer to that. Like, you know, I don't want anything. It's just, it's a mental state that I'm in and I don't know what to do about it. So I did try therapy. I tried um, group therapy. I had a psychiatrist. I took medication as well. And, you know, even though I was on a, like a high dosage of medication, I still did not feel happy. So then I got into spirituality, you know, there are different um, gurus that I found and I learned the different techniques that they teach. And I used to do those techniques every single day, maybe three, four hours a day of yoga, pranayam. And, you know, when I used to do that, I used to get I used to feel a little bit happy, I would say, at that moment. But my general sense was still low. Right. So I wanted to go deeper into what is it that I'm actually doing. Like, if I'm doing yoga, what's happening to my mind? If I'm doing pranayam, what is happening to my mind? And so in my research, I found the yoga sutras. And, you know, when I found the yoga sutras, it was such practical knowledge that I got. And it went really deep. Like, you know, what is life? What is the purpose of life? It goes into the depth of what is the mind, right? And how is the mind created? What are the different types of stresses that you have? And how to remove those stresses? And I would say that these are age-old problems, you know, like this book was written around 3,000 years ago. And these are problems that people still face today. So that's, um, so when I started learning this, I thought that this is great information, which I can definitely use for myself. But this is information that I would also like to pass on to people so that, you know, they can use it for themselves as well and help themselves.
1: And when you say you discovered this, I mean, you know, when even me, someone being very interested in wellness, Mm -hmm. I know about yoga perhaps on a very superficial level. I know what works for me and how (laughs) some asanas and... uh, But I've never really been interested enough in yoga per se to get into the depth of it. Of course, a lot of my problems I've been able to solve with certain breathing exercises and certain methods that have come out of partly out of yoga, partly out of uh, something that the Tibetan monks do called tummo. Because mm. uh, that's where uh, Wim Hof is this gentleman I follow. He developed the Wim Hof method, which is a combination of you can say pranayama and tumo breathing and cold exposure. And if you really dig deep into our past or the past of, let's say, yoga, perhaps you will find similar kind of practices there. So mm. when you say, uh, so I just want to, before we proceed, when you say that you were depressed and anxious, can you at all describe for us what it, what were you exactly feeling? Because so many of us struggle with, you know, that you're feeling out of whack or out of balance and and there is a difference between feeling unwell physically because of course mental issues help to end up creating physical ailments and you end up physically feeling tired or like you're unwell yeah so i'm just trying to get as many perspectives as possible i try and ask people when when they say they were depressed what were you feeling because somebody else may be able to uh, realize that they can get help rather than just ignoring something that they're feeling so I think it'll be helpful to know when you said you were depressed and anxious.
0: Okay. So I guess I can start with the symptoms, right? So the symptoms would be like, you know, there was, first of all, there was no purpose in life, right? Now, when there, is, there was no purpose in life, you don't, like, I didn't know what to do, right? Like, where should I direct myself? What should I do? Like, you know, there, there were many avenues open that, you know, I could do a job, I could do a business. But then, you know, like there's always, I could do all of these things, but there was no goal. Like, you know, I didn't feel like doing anything. And I guess one of the main things was just mental fog. Mm -hmm. There was so much mental fog that I did not know where my thoughts were coming from or what to even think. It was just completely blank. Right. So I guess that was one of the symptoms that, um, that I did feel. And then, you know, when that happens and just want to be at home. Don't feel like doing anything. So, um, yeah, so I guess the main thing was that having no goal in life, that is what brings about depression. And then, you know, I, so I guess depression starts from anxiety, right? So when you feel, uh, why do we feel anxious first identifying that? Yes. Like, you know, a lot of people, when they go through depression, I guess they also go, they have that denial of depression. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, no, no, I'm totally fine. And then they just go ahead with their lives, right? And they just try to do whatever they feel like they're doing. So I guess, so that is also a problem in itself. So if you don't know that you have a problem, then how do you move ahead?
1: And I find it so, um, you know, I can empathize when you say that your family was saying that, what do you want? You know, you have everything, whatever you want, we'll do. You want to start a business. You want to do what you want, just be happy. And I, I really feel for, I feel for the family as well. But I also feel that it's important for them to understand it. I I don't want anything. I just want to feel better. I don't want to feel like this. Exactly.
0: So, yeah, So I just want to feel better. And, you know, so, you know, when I found spirituality, so that's when I understood that it's not something that I want, right? It's just wanting to feel happy, right? So I started understanding that everything is actually in the mind. Right. No matter what, because, you know, if you see even the richest person in the world, even they have sorrow, even they have problems, even they go through stresses. So, you know, when I thought about that deeper, I realized that, you know, money is not going to do anything. Yes. Money is important. If I want to live life, I still require money, but just collecting money and, you know, trying to just gain um, possessions and, you know, just doing so many things like that's not going to make, that's just going to give me experiences. But it's not going to give me mental satisfaction, right? So <clears throat> the main thing is that that a mind is overactive, and when a mind is overactive, that's when we feel bad. So I think the problem that starts that I realized is that we that at least for myself is also that and in general as well that we have a lot of uh, desires, right? And we just try to f- uh, follow all our different desires, and the way life is is that everything cannot be met. All our our desires cannot be met. And when that happens, then we start getting sorrow. Then we start getting anxiety that why did I not get this? How can I achieve it? So all of that, what's happening is that the mind is just getting more and more active, Mm -hmm. right? So now if I don't get what I want, right, then what's going to happen, then I'm going to start thinking, how can I get it? I'm going to start thinking, why did I not get it? So now these are all negative feelings.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, when I get negative feelings, then I'll start suppressing it because it doesn't feel good, right? That's what I think. That's what the mind automatically does because we want to stay happy. So we start suppressing it. Now, when that anxiety happens and we start suppressing it and that becomes a habit, then once it becomes a habit, then any thought that you get, it just goes down. It just keeps suppressing. And when that happens, I guess suppression leads to depression. Right. So first, it starts with a desire, then not able to get that desire, then suppression, and then depression. So then then you don't understand who you are. Then you don't understand where you're supposed to go. And that becomes a habit. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. I think that's a very easy way for people to understand. So I appreciate that explanation. So let's talk about uh, Vigyan yoga. Because the the first time I heard of Vigyan yoga was from your book. Yeah. So we've all heard of yoga, right? I don't think there's any human being on the earth today who hasn't heard of yoga. But what is Vigyan yoga and how is it different from what a common man like me knows yoga to be?
0: See, I guess what today yoga has become is just mostly for physical health, right? That's what primarily it's become. And now you've got so many different branches of yoga that have come up. But those are just, I guess, um, a lot of them, I would say, are just marketing techniques that, you know, we've got a new different type of yoga. But if you look at yoga in the actual form, yoga is to do with the mind, right? Mm -hmm. So like in the yoga sutras, I guess yoga sutras is the first book written primarily or exclusively on yoga. And there the definition of yoga, as Patanjali says, is Yogaschit Vritti Nirodha. So where he's defining what yoga is, so he's saying that when you stop the thoughts of your mind, that is yoga. So basically all of us, what we do is that we identify ourselves as a our mind, right? That if I, ask, if I ask you who you are, right, you will probably give your experiences that I'm so and so, I'm born over here. I studied over here. Now this is my job, right? And then this is a story that we create. Right, and whatever story we create, this is what we think life is. So this is what Patanjali is saying: is that the common man he creates a story for himself, and then his desires pop out from this story, and this is how the normal person lives life. But if you look at internally, what is it that who we really are? Right. So what Patanjali says is that we have our soul or a consciousness. Right. So like, if we get a thought in our mind who's the one who's looking at that thought? It's the consciousness that's looking at the thought. You can even call it our focus or our, our awareness, mm-hmm. right? So once we remove that story, once we remove all these different thoughts that we've created, and once you go into that pure consciousness and only that pure consciousness remains, that is the state of yoga, right? Now, to reach that state of yoga, so that is the mental exercise. Mm-hmm. But then you also have to you know, meditate, to meditate, you know, you have to sit in long hours in um, a certain position. For that also, you have to have a healthy body, yeah. right? To even live life. if you, What is the body made for? The body is made for the journey of life, right? So for the journey of life, you need to keep your body healthy as well. So I guess for that, you also need the physical practices. Mm-hmm. So so what we are trying to explain to everyone with Vigyan Yoga is the true meaning of yoga and how you can reach that state of yoga. So with that, you know, back in the day, there were so many rishis who've written so many books about um, spirituality. We've got the yoga sutras, we've got the Sankhya Karika, we've got the Upanishads. So we want to explain to people the philosophy that is written in these books, right? We want to give them the true nature of what spirituality is. So we want to teach that as well. We want to teach in um, actual the physical form of yoga. We want to teach what is the real nature of meditation, how to meditate. and so we want to do that through books we want to do that through retreats so if you come for our retreats you'll be we'll be teaching you the philosophy we'll be teaching you the meditation techniques we'll be teaching you the yoga techniques as well so that once you're done with the retreats you know how to incorporate those in your life every single day
1: you're stopping your thoughts and that sounds very I, I think for most people, including myself, I think it's something extremely challenging. Even to do it for a few seconds. Forget about doing it for an extended duration. Second. And and I can totally appreciate the fact that if you're able to do that for a long duration, that yes, you have achieved that state of yoga or that oneness, or there's so many ways to describe what people uh call that now, right? Meditation, yeah. mindfulness, or uh even perhaps being, you know, moving on to a higher frequency, higher level, so many ways that people say that. But so how does one do that? How do we make a beginning at all? Especially someone like me, who's an overthinker, who's a over planner, who's, who's constantly just flooding myself with thoughts.
0: Yeah. So you're right in saying that stopping the thoughts is very difficult. And it's not only for a beginner, I would say for an advanced person as well. Right. So, um, So I guess it's the problem is that we all get uncontrolled thoughts, right? So when I say stopping the thoughts, it's only during meditation that, and that's the ultimate purpose of life. So once you've reached that part where you're able to stop your thoughts, that's the ultimate purpose of life. That's where your Buddha or your Kabir was, right? So we are teaching the techniques on how to get there. So what's the purpose of stopping the thoughts, right? So right now we have uncontrolled thoughts, and because we have uncontrolled thoughts, we, do, uh, we don't know which direction to go towards, right? So the point is to be able to control our thoughts. Now, when you stop your thoughts, it's not like you're stopping your thoughts in your everyday life. If I'm talking to you, I, right. still, I still need thoughts to talk to you. If I'm, if I'm eating, I still need thoughts to be able to eat or to walk somewhere, to go somewhere, I still need thoughts. But the point is that I should, be ha- I should have controlled thoughts. So when I'm able to stop my thoughts consciously, so what am I actually doing? I'm increasing my awareness. so when I stop my thoughts consciously, then in my everyday life I'm going to have controlled thoughts
1: right
0: so that is the purpose of life is to be able to control your thoughts right and not let your mind lead you, but you lead your mind right Yes so that is the I guess that is the answer to that question.
1: So what can we do today to start making a change anybody watching or even myself? What, what is the first step that you'd recommend, even if it is meditation also? So how does one, what is the right way to meditate? Okay, let's, let's ask that question.
0: Okay, so I guess we should first understand is that we are actually different from our mind, right? Because if I'm getting a thought, I'm the one who's looking at that thought, right? Like if I ask you a question that, like, you know, you, the way you are right now, right? Who are you right now? And then if I ask you, who were you 20 years ago?
1: Mm.
0: the way your mind was was completely different 20 years ago to it is now right yeah but that at that moment in time you would say yes this is me but at this moment in time you say this is me Mm. right Mm. so what has changed has your mind changed have you changed you know Or has your perception changed right your perception changed right but you are still you right Because now that you look back, you can just say, okay, this was what my mind was then. This is what my mind was now, right? But you see that you are different. So you can then basically understand that you are different from your mind, Mm. right? So now let's look at today. Today, what's happening is that I'm getting so many different types of thoughts. If I'm trying to work somewhere, right? Let's say I'm in my office. Mm. I'm trying to focus on my work. Then I get a different type of thought. Then I start going in somewhere else, right? Into my thoughts. So I'm never doing exactly what I'm supposed to do, because I'm getting all these different thoughts. Like, you know, if, even if I'm talking to you right now, mm. right, you might, your mind might be running, and you also might be thinking different things. Mm. Because the problem is that our mind keeps throwing th- things at us. Right. So what we have to first understand is that we are different from the mind. Mm. So the problem is that the mind throws things at us. But the focus is the thing that goes from different from one place to another right? So we have to exercise our focus. That is the goal of meditation. So with meditation, what we do is that we take an object. Okay. So let's say that um, I start with a gross object. A gross object is something in the physical world. So I can start with like, let's say a candle. okay? Okay. I put a candle in front of me at eye height. I sit in a meditative posture and then I just look at that candle. In the beginning, what I will see is that while I'm trying to meditate the candle, my mind is again going to throw a lot of things at me, maybe about work, maybe about something fun I want to do later, you know, maybe I made some plans with my friends, so my mind is always going to throw things at me. But what I have to do is that realize that, okay, my mind has gone somewhere else, focus back on the candle. Okay, so in the beginning, you'll see that the focus will be going here and there a lot. Um but then slowly every single day you have to practice every single day right. and then you have right. to make sure that your focus is always on the candle okay and then with everyday practice you will see that your focus is going to increase little by little
1: okay right? So a quick question yeah. there uh, is there a minimum time we should try that exercise every day like five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes
0: yeah so i guess for, it's uh, different from person to person but i guess a good starting point is about 10 minutes
1: Okay, right? that's for not bad. I, I don't think that's that
0: much. So I, for someone who's never done this before, a good starting point is 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you sit in a meditative posture, look at the candle, because you know, if I talk to people also that they're like, Oh, yeah, you know, I can't meditate, or I'm not in the right frame of mind to meditate. But if you think about it, no one is in the right frame of mind to meditate, because no one likes to meditate, Right. right? Because the mind, again, wants to have fun, the mind wants to do something pleasurable so a good starting point is take the candle look at it for 10 minutes and then increase it every day okay maybe for a week do 10 minutes then uh, go up for 50, go up to 15 minutes then go 20 25 30 you can stay at 30 for a, for some time but even when you get up to 30 minutes it's it's not going to be like you'll be able to focus on the candle oh. 100% right right it's a daily practice i would say it would take a long time to be able to do something like that. 30 minutes sounds like a lot. Yes. It does not sound easy, easy to do. 30 minutes, yes. And then once you're able to do that, then you'll see that, you know, once time goes by, let's say you've done this for a year. Then, um, then um, after a year, you'll be able to be, think back and say, yeah, my focus has increased a little bit, right? But with meditation, I guess, the meditation just by itself is not only important, mm-hmm. right? like if you see in the book as well that you also have to change your lifestyle okay. and by lifestyle i'm not only talking about exercise and food hmm. but i'm talking about morality as well okay you know so basically try to not make other people angry as well like you know because if i feel angry it's not a good feeling hmm. so then if you try to if you if you hurt someone else that kind of hurts us as well right, right? that also gives us anxiety like if today i go and i steal something from someone hmm. Right? I know that stealing something from someone is not going to make them happy or it's not going to make me happy. Right? So it's not going to make them happy as well. So that is also going to hurt my consciousness somewhere. Right? Right. Or if I steal something from someone, then I'm going to start thinking that maybe I, I hope I didn't leave a clue or I hope some, that I don't get caught. So again, I'm increasing my restlessness.
1: Right.
0: Right. 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 So then it's also about making
1: those mental changes
0: uh, in life.
1: So yeah. there is a bit of living your life with some ethics and principles, which is correct, correct, in, intertwined with this practice. You can't correct. separate correct. them. Correct. Uh, another question was that why can't like I'm sitting on a chair, you're sitting on a chair. Why can't we sit on a chair? Why does it have to be a meditative posture?
0: So you know what happens with a chair is that if I'm sitting on a chair like this, right? I've got I've got a base over here, right? Yeah. So I'm
1: not consciously sitting straight. Yeah, your spine is not straight.
0: The spine is not consciously yeah. straight. So I guess to be able to uh, meditate, your spine has to be straight. Okay. Right? So okay. Th- there's just a posture that you have to sit in to be able to do that. Because then I can just laze and then I can fall asleep. Right. And and um... that's why people, if they say, uh, someone has asked me, can I lie down and meditate? Oh. I was like, yes, that's called sleeping. It's oh. not meditating. <laughs>
1: Because, you know, now you have a lot of these guided meditation apps and uh, stuff like that, which says you could lie down or sit and not necessarily sit in the what we traditionally believe to be the meditative posture with cross leg on a hard surface with a straight back, you know?
0: Right. So I would say, you know, like with guided meditation, I think it's a good starting point if you like, hmm. but it's, or I would say it's a good bandaid as well. Okay. Right. It's not okay. because at after the meditation, one might feel better. Mm. Right. But if you're trying to get into your mind, then the guided meditation is not going to help much. Right, it's it's. I would say it's only a good starting point to cure the symptoms. Mm. But if you want to cure the mind, you know, permanently, mm. then you have to understand your own mind. But with guided meditation, there's only a certain limit that
1: you can get to. Okay, okay. Okay, but it's a, at least you're saying that's better than not meditating, is it?
0: That is definitely better than not meditating. It's it's uh, it's a very good starting point. Okay. But I'm talking about like you know with Vigyan Yoga, what, a, what our goal is to be able to understand the mind so that one is free from restlessness, one is free from sorrow permanently.
1: Okay, okay, and you really think that, or you know that that's possible? Yeah, right? it's possible for us to reach a state in which yes, if one freedom. has to.
0: Yes. If one has the will to do that, then it is definitely possible. But again, I'm not saying that this is the goal of every person. I'm not saying that every person wants to reach that goal of liberation. Mm -hmm. Right. But these techniques will definitely help. Even if I want to achieve something in my business, let's say, or let's say I'm a sportsman and I want to be number one in my sport, you know, or I'm I'm a musician, I want to be able to play the best piece in the world. right? Right. For that also focus is necessary. Calmness is necessary. So again you can use these techniques to help yourself to do that.
1: Okay, understood. Yeah. I, I guess this is a good time to come to since it's also it's you know on your cover is a beginner's guide to the ultimate truth. So what is yes. the ultimate truth? See the
0: the what's the goal of spirituality? The goal of spirituality is to understand the truth of life. Mm-hmm. What is this world? What am I? Who am I? What is my purpose? Right. And um, like I had explained earlier that, you know, that we have created a story for ourselves, right? Mm. That whatever, like, let's say that in my life, whatever I've experienced, that is what is there in my mind.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, now with that I've already created a story and I'm living my life with that story. Now, as long as I have that story in my mind, I'm not able to see what life is in reality. Okay, so... We are basically, why is it an ultimate guide to, to the truth? Because it is explaining to you, what is the mind? How is the mind created? What are our thoughts? What are the different types of thoughts? So it is first important to understand what are these thoughts that I'm having, right? In, in order to remove them. And once I'm, I remove that story, once I remove that thought, then I'm able to see reality as it is. So that is the goal of spirituality, so that I can see reality, so I can see what the truth is.
1: Understood. And would you also say, the what we call nirvana, or this word is really thrown around, this yes. has been a word which has been, I guess, popular for thousands of years. This is a yes, word yes. that has retained its uh, um, you know, use in the, the modern lingo as well. Yeah. So what is Nirvana.
0: So um, the state of yoga that I'd explained earlier, that is the same thing as nirvana. Some people call it moksha. There's also a word kevalya. So all of these states are the same as the state of yoga. One, when you go into a complete state of thoughtlessness, right? right? Another way of explaining it is that um, like how Patanjali explains it. So you've got your purush and you've got prakriti. So purush is the consciousness, the soul, Right prakriti is everything apart from the soul so everything in this in, in the world is prakriti like this um, your table chair the world the earth all of that is prakriti right. the body is prakriti the mind is also prakriti prakriti in its very general sense also means atom okay. right right so the smallest unit of matter is prakriti Okay. So that's what uh, Prakriti is. Now, when I separate Purush and Prakriti, then that is the state of yoga. In a normal state, when when a state full of desires, I would say, Purush is entangled with Prakriti. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. And that entanglement is what keeps us. um, So um, Yoga Sutras talks about the uh, process of rebirth as well. Okay. Okay. So what's basically keeping us in this world? It is our desires that is keeping us in this world. It is our desires that is entangling us with Prakriti. And once we remove these desires, so then we have completely removed ourselves from Prakriti and that is the state of Nirvana. That's when there is no rebirth.
1: So when we, at least in the Hindus, they believe that once you ended that... uh... 8400,000. 8400,000. What is that? It's called Chorasi Lak Uh,
0: I guess I those know. are also a lot of stories, but uh, according to yoga philosophy, um, basically Purush by itself and Prakriti by itself, they are eternal. Okay. okay, but anything that Prakriti is made out of is temporary. Anything in this world that you see is temporary. Right. right? So Purush and Prakriti have been eternal. So they've been going on since ever. Hmm okay so we have been taking life again and again since the beginning of time if there is Mm. okay um i won't go into the detail of how did life start or when did life start because that is a question that is very difficult to answer Mm. but the point is that we are in this world right now yeah right and and we are in this world and we are going through sorrow and if we don't do anything about it this cycle will continue
1: so there's a lot in this about so someone who reads your book and who starts following your work and uh, you know starts uh, kind of delving deeper into Vigyan yoga hmm. is going to get a lot of uh, ways to deal and improve themselves and their mental health. Now, is there equal importance on the physical health aspect? Because I know that in my mind, they're intertwined. But I'm saying in terms of physical, like, you know, we've got one kind of, I would call it a biohack in my world of doing this meditation with a candle. I think it's a very easy way. And I'm going to try starting that myself, start incorporating something like that in my life and my time. Uh, But what about some actual physical practices or some sort of physical exercises which you found useful for yourself?
0: So I follow a form of yoga called the uh, Hutt Yoga.
1: Hmm. right?
0: So I guess uh, the whole point is to keep the body fit uh, for life and to uh, be able to sit longer in meditation okay right if the body is stiff it kind of shows that your mind is also stiff
1: right
0: right so once you have um, basically the point is to make your body strong and flexible mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if you follow some form of Hat yoga so um, uh, you can do um, surya namaskar every day right so the way I, i'll tell you about my yogic practices i do surya namaskar every day Right. With Surya Namaskar, it's good for flexibility and it's good for strength as well. Right. 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 Then after yeah, Surya di- Namaskar.
1: Di- it's a good workout. Yeah. It's, it's di- Yes, it is a whole
0: workout in itself. Now, Surya Namaskar, if you see, it's always forward bending and backward bending yeah. exercises as well. So after Surya Namaskar, it's also good to do some side bending. So okay. there's a, an asana called trikonasana where, right. you know, you use, um, you spread your legs apart. Right. You keep your hands like like this and then bend sideways and try to touch your touch
1: toes touch your toes okay okay, right? okay. Uh, and and how many surya namaskars do are you doing or how many do you think people should incorporate so it should be the uh, once,
0: yeah so once you start um, the surya namaskars i guess if you want if you're a complete beginner start with maybe 5 okay right? then um if for everyday i guess 10 surya namaskars for everyday is enough if you want to do a little bit more high intensive workout, then you can go more. But for myself, because
1: I've heard of this 108. You're supposed to do 108 to complete the uh, in 108 in 30 minutes is what I've heard. It depends
0: the on the goal of the person, but for just general flexibility and strength, um, I don't do 108. Um, I just do 10 Surya Namaskars because, uh, and then after 10 Surya Namaskars, I just do a few exercises so that my back is flexible. Right. Because in meditation, it's important that, you know, the back is straight, right? And uh, you're able to sit longer. So right. I meditate about 30 to 35 minutes every day. So in okay. the beginning, when I started, it used to be difficult for me to even sit 15
1: minutes. Sure. Right? Yeah, but, you stiffen up your legs start hurting, back stiffen up,
0: you know, then start slouching or go towards the side, you know, and then I start feeling uncomfortable, then I'll be moving a lot. Right. But if you if you see, if the body is moving, that means the mind is restless. Right. So that's why it's also important while meditating that you don't
1: move at all. But tell me when you've got, let's say you're cross legged, left over right. Right. After a while, you want to switch the legs to right over left. I mean, is that, I, I know that it's not ideal, but initially that was something I can imagine I'll have a problem with. I'll I want to adjust my position.
0: Correct. I guess in the beginning, uh, that will be the case so try to so once let's say if you start uh, meditating let's say after 10 15 minutes your legs start hurting mm. or you know your leg goes to sleep or something sure try to bear it as much as you can okay okay without mm-hmm. moving now if you've gone to a point where it is really hurting and you cannot do it then maybe move your position a little bit you know if you, want me, to your leg. if
1: you if you if i i can bear it but your focus is gone it's all on that oh I'm uncomfortable I want to change my position or there's you know
0: thats something bear it as much as you can because if you don't do that then you whenever that happens you'll always your mind will always tell you oh this
1: is hurting okay so that's you know, a good we... tip I think that's a that's a good tip so I've got two sol- <laughs> solid kind of biohacks from you as one is right. this uh, uh uh that use the candle as a, a benchmark right so, uh, so yeah
0: so that's why you bear it a little bit so that because let's say I bear it a little bit right now, then tomorrow I'll bear a little bit more. So then the strength will increase. That okay. That's only then. Otherwise, if I do that every day, that it just starts hurting and I change. Then every day after 10 minutes, I will change my position, right?
1: Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> uh, so just last, last few uh, questions, which just came to mind. Does the yoga sutra kind of, are, are they like major do's and don'ts? Because I know one is ethics. but We know that something, let's say like an alcohol or a plant medicine, or some people now, uh, you know, marijuana is a plant. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not uh, so taboo in my mind versus a lot of other hard drugs that people do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we know that alcohol in some form or some form of hallucinogens, mushrooms, plants were consumed and have been consumed for thousands of years. In fact, now there are some theories emerging that the reason we became uh, from apes, we developed into human beings was because we consumed some psychedelic substances often enough to realize there's more to the world. And so that's, of course, a debatable theory, but we there is no debate on the fact that we have been consuming these substances for a long time. It, it, what? How, do, how does Vigyan Yoga look at these substances or, um, uh, things. So I would
0: say, you know, all these substances, whether it be alcohol or anything, I would say they are just kind of a shortcut into happiness, right? So what happens when we want to consume alcohol, what's actually happening in the mind, right? I've consumed alcohol in the beginning, like before, right now I've liked that, uh, the taste or the feeling that I get after alcohol because my mind is restless. When I consume alcohol, then my mind stops becoming restless, at least at that moment, right? So it's a sense of happiness that I have created. Now, because I've already felt that sense of happiness with alcohol, I want to go again. So what's happening now in my mind, let's say I've not had alcohol in a day or two days. Then my mind starts throwing a thought at me that I feel like having alcohol because I like the feeling of alcohol. So that is also in a state of restlessness, right? That Because the mind is telling me, that I like alcohol, so let me get alcohol. So then again, I have alcohol. So then I drink it, then I feel good. Then again, a, few, a week passes, then again, my mind starts running that I like alcohol, I, I want to consume alcohol. So that's what we're just basically doing is again, we're going a little bit deeper into that state of restlessness, I would say. Okay. Right, because we have just created another thought that I want to consume alcohol and and we've just created a, another band-aid, I would say. But that's not really helping the mind in
1: general. And you feel that the state that you're trying to achieve by, let's say, drinking alcohol or consuming some other substance, you can actually achieve that state naturally through using... Once
0: you've achieved that state naturally, because what are we trying to do with these substances? We're trying to calm the mind. But if I can calm the mind naturally, then I don't need substances. Right. 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 I'll explain how the mind is created, okay? Okay. So so we've got our five senses, right? So we've got our five senses and uh, they interact with the world, okay? Now, once they interact with the world, uh, we create a thought of either good or bad. There's always a duality. We always look at things as either good or bad. Now, if we consume something and we like it, then an attraction, a, a memory of attraction is made. And if something we don't like, a memory of aversion is made. Now, if there's a memory of attraction, thoughts about those things come. Like, again, like you spoke about alcohol, that I've consumed alcohol. I like the feeling that I got after alcohol, right? So memory is created. Now, once that memory is created, a thought will come that I want to do this again. Mm -hmm. Once that thought comes, I start thinking that I want to do this again. Then I make a physical action. I make a plan in my head. How should I get this again? Then I do a physical action. I go to the store. I buy the alcohol. I put it in a glass. I drink it. Now, once I drink it again, I like that feeling again. Mm -hmm. So once I like it again, that whole process starts again, another layer of memory is made. So like that, we keep consuming and then we make a memory. We again think, consume, create a memory. So we keep adding these layers of memory. And then that becomes like impression, right? So an impression becomes that it's kind of become a little bit more part of you. So the more the impression is made, the more thoughts about it you get. Right. Now, if I keep doing it, keep doing it every single day, and now it's become habitual. Now, once it's become habitual, it's become a part of your day, right? Come back from work yeah. without even thinking, go get a bottle, have a drink. It just becomes a very natural, it becomes a part of your being. Right. Have a conversation with your friends. So that's now that's just, again that part of the story, what I told you, that part of the story that you make, now that's become the life. So that's how the mind is created and the same thing will happen with different substances okay. because these okay. are, substances are basically designed to make you feel that happy. Sure. right? But it's a sense of happiness that you're getting and now again we've created all these extra thoughts in our head which are making us restless.
1: So it's the, but, it's, it's, this is interesting because this is, like you said, you create that uh, layer of memory and then you're reinforcing that every time you do it again and again. Right. And it's the same with social media, shopping, you know, people develop a addi- gambling, people develop addictions, addictions to, you can yeah. develop an addiction to anything.
0: Anything, whether it be TV shows, movies, go to the theater every day, have to meet my friends every day, could be anything, cigarettes, mm. you know, yeah, what, whatever, whatever it may be. So this is the story that we've all created, right? Your story is different, my story is different. Everyone's story is different. Sure. But if you look sure. at it just internally, who we are. That is the pure consciousness. Now, if, if you remove your complete story that you've created, if I remove my complete story that I've created, right, then we all are exactly the same.
1: Hmm.
0: Right. So if you see all your different philosophers, the really high up philosophers, whether it be Kabir, whether it be Buddha, they all talk about the same thing. They all talk about morality. They all talk about life, about not hurting anyone. Right. Now Kabir did not know Buddha, Buddha did not know Socrates, but they all talk about the same thing because life in itself is pure. And, you know, it's the same throughout, whether it's your life, my life, even my dog's life. Right. Right. Life is life. And And we are trying to get to the truth of life.
1: Fascinating. No, I, I think people are going to find uh, your book fascinating and they're going to definitely want to follow more of your work. So mm-hmm. before I conclude, w- what's next for you and what's next for Vigyan Yoga? What What's the plan now? You've got this book out uh, immediately. Are there any next steps for you? So
0: our next step, so we are uh, working on our next book now, which is called Sankhya Karika. So okay. Sankhya Karika is a sister philosophy of the Yoga Sutras. Right. So, Sankhya and yoga used to be one philosophy before the yoga sutras were written.
1: Okay.
0: So, Patanjali wrote the yoga sutras and there's another philosopher, his name is um, Ishwar Krishna, who wrote the Sankhya Karika. That's when they split off into two. Right. So, Sank- yoga discusses into the practical um, angle of reaching the state of yoga right. and Sankhya Karika discusses the theory. It, so basically, if you go into the mind, the intellect, the ego, the thoughts, it defines what are all of these. It gives the definition of the soul. It gives the definition of the mind. So if you ha- if you read the Sankhya Karika and Yoga Sutras, I would say that, that that in itself, you would understand spirituality completely in its whole.
1: So would you say that this is a sequel to your first book in a way?
0: Um, it could be, um, I would say, kind of like a prequel as well, because okay. you know you would understand the concepts right, right, much deeper. And then you go into the
1: practical angle. Okay, perfect. And right? tell us, <laughs> uh, where, so where, where can people follow your work and buy your book and learn more about Vigyan Yoga?
0: So currently, our book is available on Amazon uh, in India. So in India, you can buy it on Amazon. Very soon, it'll be available on Amazon in the US, Canada, and Mexico as
1: well. Okay, excellent.
0: It, um, and soon we'll, uh, books will also be available in bookstores, in own bookstore as well.
1: Okay. And, and yeah. uh, Vigyan Yoga has a website which people can go and maybe sign up for some, uh, you know, you have those sessions, yeah. spiritual retreats. How does one sign up for those? So
0: we have a website, VigyanYoga.com, and okay. there we'll be starting classes very soon. So over there, uh, you can learn your, we have a general classes for, um, your everyday classes, which is yoga and meditation classes. Then you can also do a yoga teacher's training course. So if okay. you want to go deeper into what yoga is, even if you don't want to become a teacher, right? If you want to get that, uh, knowledge in deep about what yoga is, then you can go, to, go, um, learn the yoga teacher's training course. Okay. We'll also okay. be teaching philosophy. So we'll be having the yoga sutras course as well. And soon we'll be starting the uh, Sankhya Karika classes as well.
1: And this is all going to be like online e-learning kind of platform.
0: Yes, this is um, this is all online. And um, then once our next retreat is planned, we'll be giving that information on bigyanyoga.com as well. So then people can go on our website and sign up for the retreats. Sorry, a long-term plan is also opening an ashram. Oh, and- excellent yes so we will be opening an ashram where uh, we'll be teaching people where people can come and stay and um, basically get this knowledge and incorporate it in their lives as well
1: no uh, i think what you're doing is amazing congratulations on on the book and this venture and i have got to you know learn so much and i'll just reiterate uh the you know two immediate things that people can start one is start doing that candlelight meditation which focusing on a candle and uh, the second is just start trying to make your body more flexible by doing a few surya namaskars every day and mm-hmm. just do with dedication even those two things done and expanded over time can yeah. help you achieve a, a a pretty robust state of health mentally and and physically and that's what we all want I think one of the purposes was for you also as when since you suffered from depression and anxiety yourself, but you've been able to come out of that using these techniques. That's the mission for even someone like myself yes. and you is we want to share more of this information. So once yes. again, I you know recommend everybody uh, to read your book. I'm going to put up all the links so that people can easily access your book and uh, find it on Amazon. So, thank you so much, uh, Jay. This has you. You know, been, been a delight to, to learn from you. And thank you all for tuning into Voices in My Head. And we'll be back with uh, more interesting people that we can learn from and uh, get our wellness in order. So, all the best. Take care. Voices in My Head is created and hosted by Yami Radhar. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. We disclaim responsibility for any adverse effects that may arise from any information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guests' qualifications or credibility. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.